What's going on guys? Welcome to or welcome back to Consuming Crime. It is your host Jules here. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you guys know if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Supporter basically means you can donate a small donation, as little as 99 cents, to help sustain future episodes. And you don't get anything out of it, but you do get to support the podcast. And if you want to do this, head over to consumingcrime.com and hit that become a supporter badge and just put the amount in call it a day <laughs> and i appreciate it if if you can do that if not it's all right so without further ado let's get into today's episode for today's episode i'm continuing to cover homicide hunter with joe kenda there are seven seasons and mind you every single episode is a case that joe kenda himself investigated and solved which i think is awesome but also that's a lot of murder so maybe not that awesome Today's episode is called Everybody Lies. It matches the name of the episode in the series. So in the little introduction summary is, a respected church leader is found dead on a trail. Kenda says he does not look like a person who's here to go hiking. I'm like, okay, (laughs) dude, that's kind of rude. Cause like, are you saying that cause he's overweight? He could want to change his life. We don't know. Right off the bat, Joe Kenda is choosing violence with this comment. On November 30th in 1994 in Colorado Springs, Colorado, two friends are hiking in Palmer Park. It's the middle of the day, nothing out of the ordinary so far. One of the detectives is named Skip Arms. Skip Arms, wow. I love that. If he goes to the gym, it's like, hey, what are you hitting? Oh, well, never mind. You always skip arms. He is one of the people being un- He is one of the people being interviewed for this documentary. Right on the trail, they find a body. A white male, he is over 300 pounds, fully clothed and lying on his back. At first glance, they thought it was an accident. Maybe this man had a heart attack, maybe he fell, passed out. But they call police and they were able to tell that he was definitely dead and there was some foul play. There was blunt force trauma to the head and this was the cause of his death. They were thinking a rock could have been the weapon. The size of the rock and the type of blunt force trauma led them to believe he had been struck multiple times before it killed him. There were no drag marks. This was a picnic area very out in the open and there was also no struggle indication in the area. He must have just been attacked and killed exactly where he was. Investigators search his clothes, but they find nothing. No wallet, no money. Was this a robbery went wrong? They are thinking a robbery was the motive, but Kenda's also thinking this could have been very personal. Someone has a personal reason to kill this person, is what Kenda says. I'm not really buying into that. Some people are just angry and they let out their rage on, you know, people that are in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I'm not, I'm not really buying into it's personal just because it's passionate. They collected blood samples from around the victim's head. If there was any type of fight, maybe some of the blood belonged to the perpetrator. They weren't able to find any rocks covered in blood and no one in the area had seen anything. No murder weapon, no witnesses, and they needed the victim's identity. They accounted for everyone and their vehicles in the lot surrounding the park except for one, a van. They make a note of that. The van that was not accounted for is how they identified their victim, Robert Walton. He was 50 years old and a deacon at a local church. And a deacon, I had to look this up, is an ordained minister of an order ranking below that of a priest. His family is in disbelief. This park is known by the community and has always been a safe place. Kenda is thinking that Robert had an enemy. He wonders who, like what he could possibly have done to gain an enemy. Everybody makes mistakes, Kenda. Nobody's perfect. 
People can have enemies. Detectives speak to his wife, and she cannot believe he was murdered. She describes him as gentle and admired by members of the church. He has even offered counseling to members of the church. That could be interesting. That could be interesting if he counseled some people. Maybe he said the wrong thing. Somebody didn't like the advice he gave. Robert Walton was born in Montana, and in 1991, he and his wife moved to Colorado Springs, where he later became a deacon at the church. He devoted a lot of time and energy to his church. He is consistently described as gentle, a friend to all, and helpful to a fault. He also had an interesting hobby. He had the ability to take a sick plant and make it grow again. Oh, my manager could do that. That's cool. He was overall a good person. His friends told police he had gone to Palmer Park to collect greenery for an event at the church. But no greenery was found in the area, which means maybe someone got to him before he could do it. Robert was a marriage counselor at the church, like his wife mentioned, and this piqued Kendra's interest. Oh, me too. We agree on something for once. One man sought counseling from Robert. This man had a criminal past with an extensive assault history. He had assaulted his wife as well. Wow. They bring him in to talk to him, and he admits he was angry with Robert because he didn't feel he truly cared about his issues. Like, a therapist can only care so much before they're like, in the issues with you and if they're in the issues with you they can't give you advice so i have to be on robert's side on this one he tells them that he has a bad temper he said i've been bad in the past but i have a sexual addiction <laughs> what <laughs> he is not embarrassed of this by the way he gives officers explicit detail on his sexual addiction he wanted robert's advice on this so he could stop being this way but he was not happy with the advice he was given what can he tell you like wear a chastity belt what what possible advice are you looking for that's going to help with your sex addiction because when you're addicted you have to quit cold turkey right maybe i'm wrong i don't know i'm not a therapist so kenda's thinking this reason is not enough to kill somebody he thinks he was being transparent in the interview and officers they all let him go lack of evidence kenda released some details of the crime to the media hopefully somebody calls in with a tip and luckily a couple a young couple does they say that they saw a man in a large vehicle parked near where robert was found they noticed him because he looked angry or upset about something they described him as a white male in his mid-30s about five foot ten curly hair his facial expression disturbed them that's why they remembered man what kind of face was he making i've definitely i've definitely encountered some people that they've made a face and i remember them from the face that they made so yeah, that's, it's creepy. It's really creepy. They work with a sketch artist, and that sketch is distributed to the local media. Someone called and identified the man as a man named Jesse. Hey, could be getting somewhere. Although it's really early in the recording to get somewhere, but we will see. They said he goes to Palmer Park and hikes in that area. After a background check, they learn he is a laborer for a construction company. His ex-wife describes him as having a violent temper. He is angry and belligerent as soon as officers pick him up how dare you accuse me he just is mad and they this is oh that's okay so this case is very interesting and i've noticed a pattern in kenda's cases you'll probably notice it too but they ask him about his sexual preference and this triggered the man he was like i am not gay what the hell is wrong with you and he just got really defensive which only led kenda to believe that this man was probably gay and only leads me to believe what does this have to do with anything 
I'm actually about to tell you. <laughs> and they, they asked straight out, homo, like, are you a homosexual? They straight up asked. And Kenda keeps saying homosexual over and over in the documentary. I just, in case he hasn't already learned, um, it's okay to say gay. Gay is okay. So anyway, how does this connect to Robert, right? Kenda, Kenda's not thinking that this is their guy. So they release this guy for lack of evidence. So I feel like they just picked this guy up, accused him of being gay, and then let him go. That's really what it sounds like. Maybe I should have taken more notes because that sounds ridiculous. So, and but he does. He does look like the sketch, but so could others. His reactions lead Kenda to believe and start searching of the why instead of who. Kenda does not believe Robert was at the park to collect greenery. Palmer Park was linked to illicit homosexual activity how he says it so it was like a gay park i guess now kenda's thinking maybe this was the reason for his murder like he went to meet somebody like a lover who knows but he had a wife his brother is being interviewed now and he does not think that he was gay he's like i never saw or heard anything that indicated that but i'm not gonna say yes i'm not gonna say no just didn't know the coroner calls officers and they find out that during the autopsy they found a washcloth that was rolled up and tucked in his crotch area and this was a common technique in the homosexual world as kenda puts it what is that oh it's my water in the homosexual world to put something in your pants to simulate male endowment i looked it up i could not find what the hell that word means um but i think it means like uh to make your penis look bigger am i allowed to say penis officers contact his wife again and they say is there anything else that we need to know when they go to talk to her, there are two things of interest. The first thing is when they lived in Montana, she found a gay magazine in his underwear drawer. He got angry immediately and says someone must be playing an evil joke. He destroys it and they never talk about it again. Okay. The second thing is he had been spending a lot of time away from home lately. And he's not at work either. And when she asked him, he wouldn't give her an explanation. And eventually he tells her, don't ask me what I do with my personal time. Listen. If you marry me, your personal time is my personal time. Your business is my business. Maybe that's why I'm single. <laughs> anyway, that was a rude thing to say to your wife, sir. They tell her that they suspect her husband was involved in homosexual activity in the park. I hate that they keep saying homosexual activity. Like, maybe he was having like a extramarital relations with a man or extramarital relations. Like, why are we so keen on like asking people and figuring out if they're gay? She denies it though. She says, no way, I've never seen the signs. He's not gay. Never seen the signs. Didn't you just say there was like a, a gay magazine in his? Or did you believe that somebody put it there? They ask her about the washcloth and she says that she knew about it. She said he has difficulty with accidental urination and this is preventative. So I feel like that kind of checks out though. She's not aware if he has ever told a doctor so they don't think it's on medical records. Officers go to the park to set up an undercover operation to lure their killer. If he's a repeated killer, he'll obviously come back and do it again. There's a certain part of the park where strangers can meet for gay sex. This would be the South Canyon, also where the body was found. In the daytime? You can't meet like at a hotel or like, he had a van. Like, I'm a little, this part is ridiculous. They rounded up and apprehended as many people as they could, not for engaging in homosexual activity, because that's not illegal, just to see if anyone knows or has heard anything, maybe encountered someone violent in the past. 
Officers then start looking into gay bars. They take a photo of Robert and start asking around. Nothing comes from the park or from the bars. So Kenda's thinking the homosexual angle may be a dead end. Mind you, every time I say homosexual anything, this is a direct quote from the episode. Everyone is frustrated and tired. They've talked to hundreds of people and they are at a dead end. They essentially have to start from the beginning again. What are we not looking into? I have to give this... I have to give it to Kenda and his people for not just fixating on one person and kind of making them fit into a box for the sake of saving time and energy because I feel like a lot of officers and detectives do that. I, I feel like that's what happened in last week's episode, but I don't even want to get into that right now. They start with Robert's past, employment records. He worked at a flower shop previously called Sunshine Flores. This shop catered more to people of the Christian church. Police talked to the owners and they learned something strange. He worked there previously, but was fired because of money that went missing. No one knows what happened to the money. They just know he was one of the few people that had access to the safe. They're thinking maybe his death was connected to the disappearance of the money. They also find something else out. Robert had visited the shop on the day he had been killed. Okay, that's interesting. Was he there to meet somebody? This could lead detectives somewhere. It has now been a year and a half since his death. Police may have been looking in the wrong place, so they look into Robert's co-workers at the time of the robbery. One of them has a criminal record, and this man's name is Bryce Miller. History. Bryce is just like the worst name. This man had a history of assault. He also drives a truck for work, similar to the one described by the couple who witnessed the man in the park the day of his murder. Remember the one that made that disturbing face? This is a company vehicle, but he owns it. They go to speak to Bryce at his house, and on the front of his house, they notice a pair of boots. These boots reminded them of the prints found at the scene. There were prints found at the scene. I don't remember if I noted that. I should have, though. They found, like, um, like boot prints at the scene. Size and everything. He says he does not know Robert, which is crazy because you literally worked with him so they tell him like you worked with him for four years and you don't know him so he's like oh that robert oh, that robert he tells officers that they weren't very close and he starts kind of venting to them about his ex-wife he says i've been having problems with my ex-wife too like they noted that comment too like you had a problem with your ex-wife too like as well like you also have problems with robert kenda says that victims families always say that he or she did not have an enemy in the world like don't lie. Okay, listen. I'm gonna say it right now. I'm putting it out there into the universe. If I ever went missing or I was killed, I promise you, nobody is going to say that Julie did not have an enemy in the world. There are people that don't like me. I don't know that they would kill me, but there's... I don't believe... I'm, I don't buy into somebody not having an enemy. You know what I mean? I don't. I just don't buy into it. Anyway, for the record, just because you are somebody's enemy does not mean that you have... To, they have to be your enemy. Does that make sense? They bring in Miller for questioning. They tell him that two witnesses placed him at the park the day of the murder. And he admits he was there, but he was not there to meet Robert. Officers start using all their tactics. They say, we know you did it. You beat him to death. You're lying. This, this, and that. Like bad cop stuff. He denies it over and over again. Officers need to link Miller to the money so they can somehow link to Robert. They need a confession. As a pressure point, they use his daughter to get a confession. I... I don't know that I like this tactic. If he's innocent, 
I don't think you should. I think if somebody's innocent, they won't confess quickly. Like if someone's innocent, they would need to be like coerced for hours or days, if that makes sense. Miller is in the middle of a custody dispute for his daughter. Officers tell him, if you tell me what happened and it was an accident, that's second degree murder. You're young enough to get out of prison in time to see your daughter's wedding. That's not true. But if I find out this was planned, you will never see your child. So he breaks down and he starts saying, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. And they're like, didn't mean what? He says he met him at the park by accident. He was just running across the park. He said when they were talking that he felt that Robert was going to try to rape him. He grabs a stick or a rock he does not remember and he starts hitting him with it. He, You thought that he was going to rape you? Let me paint a picture for you guys. We have Bryce, who is an average height, average weight. Probably in, in better shape than, no offense, than our victim Robert. Come on, you thought, not, e not even he was going to rape me. I thought he was going to rape me. That's the statement. He never says that Robert got physical, just that he thought he was going to assault him. He says Robert fell on top of him and he could not get up. Kenda is thinking that they knew each other and maybe they were having an affair. Miller is saying the connection is sexual and not related to the money. He is accused of second degree murder and sent to prison. Here's, here's what I think, okay? I really believe that Robert was a deacon of the church, right? And I'm thinking that maybe he went out there to collect greenery. Maybe he was gay and was having an affair. Who knows? And Miller was maybe also at the park that day to do the same thing, to go for a run. They ended up in the same spot. I think Miller, you know, maybe he was homophobic or I don't know, you know, something that triggered him to kill Robert. I don't think they were having an affair. Kenda does. I, I disagree with that. But at the same time, the only person that knows what really happened is is Bryce Miller. Miller's boots were compared to the impressions found at the scene. And because of the length of time that had passed, they could not positively match. But because of the confession, like I said, he was accused of second-degree murder and sent to prison. He is found guilty and is sentenced to 40 years in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 2012. What is up with these people getting out of prison? What? Yeah, no, Miller's claiming he was chased and like nobody believes that he was chasing you. Wait, did you fight? Did he fall on top of you? Did he chase you? Why are you changing your story? Why do we think he's gay though? Couldn't they just both have been there? Anyway, I don't, I don't understand. I don't really understand the gay connection. I thought I, I thought that it linked to that, but anyway, I tried looking this up because I wanted to know if, if Bryce Miller got out of prison. But I think because of the, the details of the case, they left a lot of things private, and there's nothing available online for the, for the name Robert Walton or Bryce Miller. If you guys find something, let me know. Put it in the comments. We can get updated. But as of right now, I have no idea where Miller is. Um, so rest in peace, rest in peace to Robert Walton, who was born June 28th, 1944 and died November 30th, 1994. Well, that was another case for you guys. If you want to check it out yourself, it is on Discovery Plus. It's called Homicide Hunter with Joe Kenda. That's pretty much it for today's episode, guys. Make sure you give the episode a like, uh, rate it five stars, like us on Facebook, check out the website become a supporter to make basically small donations to support the podcast by clicking the become a supporter badge on the consumingcrime.com website. Other than that, thank you for consuming crime with me today and you'll hear me next week.